0: Hello and welcome. My name is Chris Rawl, and it is Thursday, August nineteenth. On today's show, the NFL and the speed at which things move, both on and off the field. Before we get there, I will start the show where we always start. One reason why gambling it should be legal everywhere on planet Earth. A lot of you know that I have a tradition. It pertains to a golfer from my area. His name is Tony Finau. He plays on the PGA Tour. I bet him to win which is not the greatest bet because he doesn't win very often. He's won once, the 2016 Puerto Rican Open. It was an alternate field event, and I did not bet on that event. Now, however, you bet on Tony Finau to finish top 20 and top 10, which I also do. That's a little bit more lucrative. So you combine all these things together, and this is what we're doing today. Northern Trust Open, first leg of the FedEx playoffs. It's at Liberty National in New Jersey. Tony Finau is playing. He is 66 to 1 to win the event. I am betting on him to win. I am betting on him for top 20. I'm betting on him for top 10. All of these things are coming together. Hopefully all of them cash because when Tony Finau wins an event, which I'm always betting on, look out. I'll probably run naked through the streets. Then I'll use my winnings to pay for the legal fines that I c- occur. And also uh, maybe a new set of clothing that's better than the one that I wear now. And we have our reason why gambling should be legal everywhere because it will make you believe in the possibility of something that has never, ever, ever happened. And now, sports with Chris Rall. One of the most compelling parts of the NFL is the speed at which things move. On the field, that means breathtaking speed. Uh, The highest, highest, highest sliver of a percentile of the fastest humans on earth. On a football field, that's what the NFL is. It's a lot of me at home sitting there going, I can't comprehend what that's like. It's me sitting at home listening to these rookie combine numbers that come out every offseason And all the NFL pundits are going, this guy ran a 4.6 too slow. Wow, very, very sad. And I think about it and go, if somebody who ran a 4.6 40 time was transplanted into my life, they would be faster than everybody that I know by a wide, wide, wide margin. The NFL, it's about power and it is about speed. And both of those in great... Quantities when it comes to on field play. I still remember the first NFL game that I attended. It was in Jacksonville, Florida in the late 2000s. It was the Jaguars against the 49ers. Jaguars at the time, their quarterback by David Garrard, they're actually kind of good at football, unlike now. The Niners, they've drafted Alex Smith. They're trying to find their way. And I'm sitting there, the ticket was bought for me, and I'm sitting there first row. Uh, I've been to a lot of college football games in the past, so I'm excited because I love football. And this is my first NFL game. And as soon as play began, my mind almost couldn't process what my eyes were watching because the speed of play was so astounding. I still remember Patrick Willis, who played middle linebacker for the Niners at the time. All pro, awesome, awesome, awesome player. Uh, just fast and powerful and all the things that we know in NFL players. I remember he came on the field and he's filling the hole on one play and smashing a tailback. And the next he's running sideline to sideline to cover a receiver. And I just couldn't fathom that these were actual human beings on the field. Everything went so fast and everything was so physical. The hits, the shoulder pads popping, all of that stuff. It's happening right in front of me. And I'm going, this is not the same sport that I watch on TV. Strangely enough, this is the first moment. That a lot of what I read and consume on the content side made sense about the NFL, especially a lot of stuff that is talked about in the offseason and how these rookies or these young players, they need to acclimate to the speed of the NFL game because it is not like college, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. We know that rookie c- quarterbacks are more prominent than ever, teams are drafting them, they're throwing them into the fire really quickly relative to the past. And now there's a lot on their plate because they already have so much to process mentally. Uh, The play that's coming in, getting everybody set, then reading the defense pre-snap and understanding what they're in, what the look is. And then also, as soon as the snap goes, being able to process and perform at a game that's essentially played at warp speed. It's a very interesting part of football. And a lot of why evaluations are off with players ties into this particular facet of the game. Uh, A lot of people, they never catch up on the processing side. And those people who were very successful in college might not click in the NFL because things move too quickly. And once you're in the NFL and you're thinking before you're acting, that's a recipe for doom. Uh, A lot of this is why these upcoming young quarterbacks, whether rookie class this year, or even extending back into the 2018 class, there's so much excitement surrounding all of these young quarterbacks because we're seeing now more than ever the ability of young quarterbacks to jump in and be successful soon and process and piece things together a lot more quickly than in the past so we can have Lamar Jackson jump in his rookie season and be awesome and win the MVP year two. Or, or we can see in this preseason... Starts by all the young quarterbacks, Justin Fields and Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance and Matt Jones and find reasons to be excited about all of those quarterbacks. Uh, Part of it ties into their ability to, A, perform the physical feats that we know they are capable of performing, but B, also be able to piece together on the mental side, on the processing side, how fast this game moves and then be able to do what they've always done. So the speed at which things move in the NFL... It extends beyond the field itself. Another reason that I think it is the funnest sport to watch. On field, that speed and that power, you just don't really see those combinations in any other sport. It's the highest caliber athletes on planet Earth doing things that are jaw-dropping. Um, off the field as well, you have things moving at warp speed in a way that I think distinguishes its the league in general from other leagues in a much more entertaining manner going into every season for the NBA or MLB. You have a pretty good gauge of who the good teams are going to be, who I think the championship contenders are, what the trajectory arc for the next couple years is of this particular team. It's a lot easier to read the tea leaves in those sports. Uh, The NFL is not that because just as quickly as things can move on the field, things can move that quickly off the field and you can have a team that looks promising Immediately not be that. Or you can have a team that looks like they're stuck in the mud, turn around in in the blink of an eye. It's a really strong component of the sport. So tying into this idea uh, that things can move quickly both on and off the field is the ability that teams can go from last to first or first to last in the blink of an eye in the NFL. I want to read something that comes from Bill Barnwell of ESPN. With 14 divisions and only a handful of regular season games compared to other pro sports, nobody does worse to first like the NFL. Since the league moved to 32 teams and the eight-division format in 2002, 19 teams have gone from the bottom of the division in one season to the top of the division the following year. That's 19 teams in 19 years, end quote. So the famous Bob Dylan quote comes to mind because... Every Bob Dylan quote always comes to mind for me when it comes to life, Uh, but the first one now shall later be last. Very famous line out of the times they are changing. And this applies perfectly to the NFL and the constant upheaval within standings and within who is good and bad in every single given year. Uh, You hear last place teams, they rocket to first once per season on average over the last 19 seasons. And you look at the last place teams from 2020. Niners, Falcons, Eagles, Lions, Jags, Jets, Bengals, Broncos. Now, it's not that hard to envision a world where the vast majority of these teams can go from last to first rather quickly because we understand in the NFL, things move very, very fast. Uh, And right at the top of that list, the Niners, well, they were plagued by really, really bad injury luck a year ago, specifically at the quarterback position. And if that changes... We know this team made the Super Bowl two years ago. They were up 10 points in the fourth quarter of that game against the Kansas City Chiefs. They were this close to winning a Super Bowl. And it's not that far-fetched to think with more reasonable injury luck and a quarterback under center that's not uh, their third stringer. Well, that's a team that's at the very least built for the playoffs. It could possibly be on top of their division and one of the very best teams in football. Uh, And there's a lot of these teams that are tied into that Hope component uh, uh, that comes with drafting a rookie quarterback that I've talked about on numerous shows in the past, whether that's the Jags or the Jets with Lawrence and Wilson, or even the Bengals with Burrow, the up and comer, or even the Broncos, who everyone agrees they have a great roster. uh, And the only thing that's really kind of hindering their ability to move upwards in the standings is quarterback. And can Drew Locke be that? A young quarterback who's flashed some potential, but a lot of other problematic things. He looked great in his first preseason game. Who knows what that means? But there's an easy pathway, not an easy pathway, but there's a reasonable pathway for a lot of these teams to move up in the standings this year. And it kind of ties into the question of every NFL offseason. You know, who amongst these last place teams are going to swap to first? And in turn, who amongst these first place teams are going to swap to last? Another thing that is shockingly common within the the NFL in a way that is not common, especially within the NBA or within MLB. The first place teams in 2020, I'm sure you know the list there, but I'll repeat it. Seahawks, Saints, the football team of Washington, Packers, Titans, Bills, Steelers, Chiefs. Uh, And it's also not that strange to look at that list and envision a pathway that each of these teams can fall out. It starts with injury luck, like I mentioned with the Niners, that's an obvious part of football, but there's all sorts of ways that a team can deteriorate quickly within the world of the NFL. Uh, Those of you who watch this sport, those of you who have consumed this particular show that I record every day in the past, I think you're very well aware of how random sports can be and how random football can be. Uh, Injury luck, I mentioned, that's an enormous component of this sport, but you can keep going. Turnover luck, that is an enormous component of this sport. Just whether or not you recover a fumble that's bouncing around on the field consistently Uh, special teams luck, that's a big component. Just did the opposing kicker miss a bunch of field goals in a a season and your kicker made it? That's just kind of luck. Uh, And once you engage with this idea that a lot of the sport is luck, it's easier to understand, oh, okay, At, at that point, nothing is off the table for almost every single team within the standings. You can have a really quick turnaround for good or for bad. Because there's so much that goes into a game that is built around injury luck and special teams luck and turnover luck and a lot of other things that are not necessarily that controllable. This constant upheaval within the standings can happen really, really quickly. So you can go down the list of those teams on last place and first place. And I think people who follow the sport, you can look at it and say, well, uh, these are the teams that I think are most reasonable to assume. I mentioned the Niners. Pretty easy to understand they should be a lot better this year, just based upon injury luck uh, on the good side, you look at a team like Washington and you go it's pretty easy to understand how this team could be bad pretty quickly because a they were seven and nine last year, uh, and them winning a divisional championship was tied pretty acutely into the fact that their division was just garbage, and so the war of attrition that was the NFC East last year was won by Washington not because they were really good at football, but because they were 7 and 9 and that was the best record left standing there. It's a lot easier to see a pathway where one of those teams that's not them, whether the Giants or the Eagles or the Cowboys, they're 9 and 7 or 10 and 6 and Washington is now not on top of that division. However, a large part of on-field success in present-day NFL it ties into Offense, Because what we're witnessing is kind of an offensive revolution within the sport. And so as you're trying to gauge who is jumping up and who is moving down within these standings, a large part of it ties into a luck component that you can't control. And a large part ties into who are going to be the very best offenses in football and what is the pathway to that. I want to read something else. This comes from Shio Kapadia of The Athletic. The four teams that played in the conference championship games last season, the Packers, Buccaneers, Chiefs, and Bills, all finished in the top five in offensive efficiency. That fact should not be surprising. Offensive efficiency is more sustainable than defensive efficiency year over year, and that's especially true for teams that maintain quarterback play caller continuity. There are different ways to win, but the most straightforward path in the modern NFL is to build an efficient offense. Competing for a Super Bowl without one has become extremely difficult, end quote. Most straightforward path to winning in 2021 in the NFL, it is most definitely an efficient offense. Uh, And those four teams that Shio mentioned, Packers, Bucks, Chiefs, and Bills, they were the four teams left standing at the end of the year last year. And those are the four teams that I think a lot of people, myself included, believe should be the top four teams going into the NFL season this year. Now, that doesn't always hold true. Actually, very rarely does that hold true, that the four teams most people think are going to be there at the end of the year are there because football is about luck, because it's about offensive efficiency, and sometimes you have an injury to your quarterback or you have an injury to your offensive lineman, and the next thing you know, your offense that you thought was going to be awesome is not that. But those are the teams that you look at and say, they have the most straightforward path to contention in 2021 because they have explosive offenses that is boosted by quality quarterback play and by that continuity with a play caller that she'll also mentioned. It's interesting when we're talking about the speed of the game on and off the field to also make note of this particular concept and how it's not that long ago that defense really ruled the day within the NFL. It's not that long ago, uh, mid 2010s, that the Seahawks and the Legion of Boom defense was kind of the envy of this league. Everybody looked at them and said, how can we emulate this transcendent defense that just shut down Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl? They beat them 43 to nine. This was one of the best offenses we've ever seen. And the Legion of Boom just destroyed them in that game. How do we emulate that? And six, seven, eight years later from that stretch, it's all about offense. And in present day, when you talk about offense, it's all about passing offense because that is the most efficient way to move the ball when it comes to going up and down the field. When you talk about passing offense, well, then you're starting to talk about team building constructs, getting a good quarterback, surrounding that good quarterback with talent, and then giving all of those pieces a quality play caller. Those four teams, Packers, Chiefs, Bucks and Bills, they all have that. They all had it last season. That's why they were the four teams in the conference championship games. They all have it still going into this season. That's why they're the betting favorites to win the Super Bowl this year. Aaron Rodgers, we know he's an awesome quarterback, three-time MVP, won a Super Bowl. Uh, We also know that if you give Aaron Rodgers a great offensive line and Aaron Jones, one of the more explosive tailbacks in football, and Devontae Adams, who last year was arguably the best wide receiver in football. And most importantly, you transition from whatever the hell it was that Mike McCarthy was doing on the play call set during the majority of Rodgers' tenure and you put Matt LaFleur in his place, Uh, you have the recipe for the very best offense in football last year by almost every efficiency metric. Patrick Mahomes, same thing. We know that he is an incredible talent. He looks like he is on the trajectory to be considered one of the very best quarterbacks that's ever played the game. And if you give him, oh, here's a rebolstered offensive line that we sunk a lot of resources in this offseason. And here's maybe the best offensive weapon in football in Tyree Kill. And here's the best tight end in football in Travis Kelsey. And and by the way, here's Andy Reid, one of the all-time play callers. Well, that's a recipe for success in present day and recipe for sustained success moving forward. Within a league that is this constant churn. That's how you stay consistent and that's how you win consistently within a sport that is notable for the speed at which things can change. Uh, That's why you've seen Rodgers and the Packers be consistently good throughout his tenure. That's why we've seen in in the early stages of Pat Mahomes' career, they're making AFC title games every year and they're making the last two Super Bowls and they're winning one of them. Uh, That's why we've seen that throughout the duration of Tom Brady's career. Who, Tom Brady, he's in the same boat as all these other guys. Uh, I think that, you know, on the talent side of things in present day, he's a step down from Rodgers and Mahomes or and Josh Allen. But as the Bucks showed us last year, you switch out Jameis Winston, who's throwing 30 interceptions in a season, and you put Tom Brady in his place, and you say, here's probably the best collection of skill position talent in football. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, and here's three tight ends you can utilize for different looks and sets that will throw a defense off kilter. Uh, Here's Gronkowski, here's Cameron Bray, here's OJ Howard. Oh, by the way, here's an offensive line that by season's end last year was one of, if not the best in football. And then that combination of Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich designing a game plan and then calling a play in real time. That's how you arrive at a Super Bowl winning recipe for this offense last year. That's why they are the Super Bowl favorites this year because they have all that. And they have one of the best defenses in football. Josh Allen, also, same recipe. Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, one of the best wideouts in football, one of the best slot wideouts in football last year. Rebolstered offensive line. Continuity with Brian Dable, the play caller, cutting edge stuff. All of that, all of those ideas. All of the team building portion, the talent, getting the quarterback in position, and then getting a great play caller And getting them there for multiple seasons and establishing that continuity. That's the most straightforward path to contention in present day NFL. And again, the way that this stuff moves, it's interesting to make note of in present day. Uh, This might not necessarily be 100% true even this season. You know, a lot of people are predicting, hey, there's going to be a resurgence of defense at some point in the near future. Because this is how this kind of stuff works. It's cyclical. Uh, We think this is the only way of winning, and then two years later, we actually think the exact opposite, and then three years later, we think a different avenue, and then three years later, and so on and so forth, especially within this sport, because things move so quickly, and there's so much that goes into how football games are won or lost, how teams become good or bad. There's so many moving pieces that you can go from first to last or last to first in almost the blink of an eye. Cleveland Browns are a laughingstock in 2017, and now they're on the short list of teams that people can think are Super Bowl worthy uh, in 2021. That's four years later. So offense, it's the most straightforward path to contention. It's more noticeable now than it's ever been. Might not always be true in the near future, but within this sport that is constantly moving, there's also another portion of it that I want to make note of that I've been reading about and that I find to be very interesting. Uh, And that is the area of home field advantage and what it actually is, if it exists, and what it means coming out of last year's COVID season. I'm going to read something again. This comes from Kevin Seifert of ESPN. Home teams had a 498 winning percentage in 2020, their lowest since the NFL's 1970 merger with the AFL. But even with full attendance in 2019, they had produced the lowest such mark, 518, since 1972, as well as the lowest cover percentage against the spread, 437, since 1967. According to ESPN stats and information research, in fact, home teams have had a losing record against the spread in 14 of the past 17 seasons. That has happened even as the average spread for home teams dropped 18%, in 2015 to 2019, minus 2.03, compared to the previous five seasons, minus 2.47 in 2010 to 2014. End quote. So this is probably the most interesting stat of the off-season that I have come across yet. Yeah, it's the intersection of two things that I truly love: NFL football and gambling on it. And this fact that 14 of the last 17 seasons. The home team has had a losing record against the spread. It's almost incomprehensible in my mind because within the gambling world, much like the world of the NFL, things move fast as hell. And when a trend starts to manifest itself within the gambling world, books are very quick to adjust lines and understand, well, we can't just hang ourselves out to dry by continually setting these lines that are getting pounded. And so we're going to make adjustments. Oh, the home team is losing consistently against the spread versus the road team. Well, that's going to be adjusted. You see that within a percentage point drop in 2015 through 2019 compared to 2010 to 2014. And yet still, we're seeing home teams consistently lose against the spread over the course of a season. And we're also just seeing home teams lose in general whereas in the past we always assumed and thought that a home field advantage it's there it exists you should have an advantage to win if you're playing at home and that also applies to the world of gambling and that's factored into a point spread because we know at home you should have an advantage and so if these two teams are the exact even uh, or the exact same from a talent distribution standpoint and we think that on a neutral field it would be a pickem game well If we go to a home field for one, it's going to be a minus three spread because there's three points of home field that's factored in. That's usually how that kind of stuff works. Now, what I'm reading and what I'm just kind of been diving into more is maybe that's not as true as we've thought it to be in the past and as we think it's going to be in present day. So as you're trying to combine all of these things that I'm talking about, as you're trying to understand, okay, within the standings, who is going to be shifting from first to last? Who is going to be shifting from last first? Uh, How do we understand what kind of offenses are going to be better this year? What kind of offenses are going to be worse? Are the Bills and the Chiefs and the Packers and the Bucks, are they all going to be just as good as they were last year offensively? So we're trying to understand all of this stuff. Another thing to factor in, in a sport that has 10 million moving pieces, what does home field look like in 2021, especially as we start to incorporate fans back into the stands? As of now, every... NFL stadium, they're planning on full capacity. So now we're seeing, okay, last year, probably a throwout when it comes to what home field advantage meant last year. Now, however, as we're trying to understand offense and the relation of offense to home field, there's a lot of stuff that was tied into last season that was kind of exclusive to that year. Uh, As I've been reading a lot and just consuming a lot of off-season information You know, and as I watched last season, it's very easy to understand that a noticeable advantage for Green Bay when they're playing is Aaron Rodgers is the master of the hard count. And in stadiums without people in it, he could go and try to get a defense to jump off sides, whether that's home or whether that's road, because he always had a quiet environment. And that is a noticeable benefit for the Packers offense last year. Because he can make people jump off sides and then he has a free play and then he's throwing a touchdown like he did in week one against Minnesota last year. Or at the very least, something that I don't think is necessarily factored in or can be quantified is that when an opposing defense knows that Aaron Rodgers is on the other end and they know that he is the master of the hard count and they know that when he gets a free play, he is a master of the free play. And we're not going to look stupid by jumping off sides and then Aaron Rodgers... Runs backwards and goes, I know I can take a free shot downfield. All right, I'm throwing a 60-yard ball. And now everybody's celebrating this highlight on SportsCenter. The opposing defenses know that. And so he's barking a hard count every single play. And that means a defensive line. They're a little bit more stationary. And they may be a half second slow to jump when the ball is snapped because they're waiting to make sure that they are not jumping off sides. That's an advantage the offenses had last year. Um, I read an interview the other day where David Bakhtiari, the left tackle for the Packers, he was talking about the difference between last year and this year when it comes to home field advantage and just certain ways that it's going to change the way that football is played in 2021 relative to 2020. And he made note of something that I also didn't necessarily think of, which is a big advantage on the offensive side. Big advantage for these high-octane, efficient offenses that kind of ruled the uh, ruled the day last year. On the offensive line play side of things, um, they never had to go to silent counts. So when you're on the road and you're in an environment where it's super noisy, you usually have to go to a silent count. However, Packers and every team, they never had to do that, whether that was road or home. So they have... The benefit of doing a hard count to keep the defense stationary and the offense, rather than looking back and then getting into their set and being a half second late off the ball because they have to literally watch the ball be snapped, they have an additional half second advantage of, okay, I know the sound when this is going to be going. And so I don't have to look at the ball and I have a tiny sliver of advantage over the defensive line. You combine all those things And it's a little bit easier to understand why offenses were so outrageously good last year. And you also try to engage with the question of, okay, what does that mean for 2021? What does it mean for home field advantage in 2021? Something that seems like it's slowly been dwindling, whether it's just straight win percentage or whether it's from a gambling perspective against the spread. What do all those things combine together into the 2021 NFL season, what do they all look like? You know, the speed on the field, we know that it's getting faster by the day. But the way that things are changing off the field, that's a place that there's a lot more room for interpretation, especially when it comes to trying to gauge who's going to move from first to last, who's going to move from last to first, uh, what offenses are going to rise that were not necessarily that good last season and what offenses are great and are going to take a step back. And what does home field advantage even look like in this sport that is just constantly, constantly moving at warp speed? So what does all this look like this year? What is it going to look like on September 10th when we kick off the season with Buccaneers and Cowboys? What is it going to look like uh, following Sunday when every single NFL team is coming out and playing? No idea, honestly, Um, but in a sport that is built upon things moving at warp speed, both on and off the field, I am very, very excited to find out.